Hey Thrivers, uh, welcome to the Thrive Student Ministry Podcast. My name is Dom, I'm the Assistant Director here at Thrive. Uh, we are a college ministry on the campus of the University of Arkansas, and I am really excited for this segment of the podcast. This is a new segment that we're introducing here this spring semester in 21. Um, this year in particular, it's been weird, of course, with the COVID vaccine and the COVID virus and all that kind of stuff, but we this year did not have a scheduled testimony night. And so the heart behind wanting to start this segment of the podcast really came out of the idea of wanting to share some student stories and share some testimonies of how God has worked in and through the students' lives and through our lives um, just over the course of their lives and also specifically in their college tenure. And so today I am joined by our director, uh, my boss uh, and my former landlord, uh, Mr. Jack Cross. And so we wanted to start with him really because he is the front and center of a lot of what we do. Um, Jack is the one who hired me and uh, he was the one who really brought me in when I was a part of Thrive as a student. And so we're really glad to be joined by him for this first episode of the Thrive Student Story segment. And so Jack, how's it going? <laughs> Man, it's good, Dom. It's, it, we've talked about this a lot. And so it's good to be able to, for us to be able to share this and for us to walk our, uh, kind of walk people through some of it. And I'm excited to hear, uh, not really this piece, but um, <laughs> you know, what we're going to be able to hear from your story and from some of our guys who are on campus right now. And then maybe even a few from uh, those who have been here before. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm hoping that this this segment of the podcast, especially with Jack, might shed some light on a little bit about who he is, who he is, and how he came to Fayetteville, and some of the things that he um, has hoped to and has accomplished as as the Thrive Director here in Fayetteville. But Jack, kind of start us off, start us off, and tell us a little about uh, about who you are, um, got about how your upbringing was, your family. I knew you're from Dewitt, but tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so DeWitt is a small town kind of in the uh, southeast part of the state, uh, Delta area. And so um, it's, it's an interesting place. Uh, I, I really enjoyed growing up there since being gone from there. Uh, there's a lot of things that I appreciate now probably as an adult and even just time passing that I t definitely didn't appreciate at the time. Um, but it's odd because my, like my bigger family is not from there. Uh, so my dad took a job opportunity there is when I was about two years old. So I really was kind of born, raised, went through schooling there. Um, but not having more roots than that, um, uh, being there, uh, I don't get, I don't get to go back as often. And it's kind of odd, you know, almost feeling like not having a hometown. Um, and so anyway. Yeah, yeah. You've often described DeWitt as kind of the place that you would never drive through on your way somewhere else. You've got to kind of intentionally go there. Yeah. I know for me, I'm, I'm from Houston, the bigger city and that kind of area. And so I remember I went to boarding school and it was a town that had one stop sign mm -hmm. and it was a real culture shock for me. But give me, give me a landmark. Is there anywhere kind of close to DeWitt that you can kind of pinpoint for our city folk? I mean, not a lot, <laughs> not a lot. And I say, you know, you don't accidentally drive through there. It's because it's really not on the way, especially from Fayetteville, that you would be going through there. No major interstates, nothing like that. I mean, the biggest part, especially in Arkansas, is like if you're going east, um, like where are you going to cross the Mississippi River? And there's only a handful of spots, and so <laughs> it's a pretty significant landmark. It's it, it's actually where the uh, we we got the White River up here. Uh, Arkansas River is not too far from here, mm -hmm. so really kind of almost where the White Arkansas and Mississippi all kind of come together. That that kind of area um, is where where kind of Dewitt is. Okay. Um, about an hour and a half, hour and forty five minutes from Little Rock, mm -hmm. um, kind of on the east side. But yeah.
You grew up there, and did you have any siblings growing up? What was it like growing up, uh, church culture down there, schooling, um, all that kind of stuff? So I grew up really close to a younger brother um, who's just a couple years younger than me, uh, Silas. And so, you know, brothers, sibling rivalries, fun time, um, just kind of all that kind of comes along with that. Um, And so anyway, um, grew up with Silas. I have an older sister that I found out about later on. Um, shared that in the Pathway podcast. So, so somebody, if you really want to get into that story, it's a, it's a fun one. <laughs> and uh, one where I, I really kind of, because I, I laugh, because I, I really feel like I grew up in a very Mayberry-esque, um, things pretty simple, things pretty, pretty calm, pretty normal. As a matter of fact, I remember one time in high school kind of having that, that kind of thought of like, man, my life, my story is not very interesting. My parents love each other. I grew up in church. Um, you know, parents stayed together, tight thing. Um, and so my church, pretty normal. Um, had some highs and some lows and some things like that, but not a whole lot of drama. Um, anyway, so I mean, I, I at one point in time would definitely have called my my family and my life kind of boring. Mm-hmm. Um, now. <laughs> As I've gotten older, uh, you begin to appreciate boring. Um, and there are some, some things now that I know that I didn't know as a kid, I didn't know as a high schooler even. Um, and as I look back, I think, <laughs> yeah, there was a lot going on. And so f- for sure, my message to anybody who feels like they kind of come from a, a mundane, boring upbringing, just hang on. Um, life will give you plenty of curveballs. How would you kind of describe what your early walk of faith was? Were you saved um, as a as a kid? Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I definitely remember. Um, so my grandfather died. My my mom's dad. Uh, my grandpa. Um, he meant a lot to to me. A lot to my family. I remember going hunting, fishing, uh, summer vacations, some different things like that. I remember him having a big garden on the backside of his property, and it's just just a sweet man but I, I was about seven six seven years old um he had just some different health problems cancer and some other things but anyway um yeah so he passed away and kind of coming out of that season it wasn't directly after him his passing but a, a matter of months after his passing um i don't remember what the pastor was preaching about or whatever but i believe it was like after on the back side of like a, a sunday night message or something like that where i just got a lot of conviction a, that death was real, um, and, and and like even at a young age, I, I still remember, like the reality that something was going to happen to us, and then there's eternal life, or there, you know whatever's that on the back side of it, and that I had, um, you know, had been taught um, and and preached and, and that kind of stuff that um, that that Jesus loves us in spite of our sin. And so in a very basic way, like I just knew that I needed Jesus. Um, and and I wanted to trust him and follow after him. Uh, and I knew that I I didn't, uh, that I, I, I was a sinner, you know, in a basic, in a very basic sense. Um, and, I, you know, there's things I'd like to say now in preacher you speak, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I've got younger kids and I've seen some, I've seen some of their logic and thought process and that kind of stuff. And so to me, like that's, that's a very basic very understanding of just like, hey, listen, I, I understand that, that death is real mm-hmm. uh, and that we have to we have to answer for it um, and that I'm a sinner mm-hmm. um, and, and Jesus loves me and died on the cross for my sins. 
and I want to trust him and follow after him. And so in a very simple, um, basic way, I remember my dad um, laid that out to me. I remember asking him some questions, and, and I remember putting my faith and trust in, in Jesus. Now, that being said, I grew up uh, junior high, high school time frame, a lot of waffling back and forth, and I think a lot of people who, who trust Christ as a, in a, at a young age um, who try to put their faith and trust in Him, um, <clears throat> that's probably a lot of their stories. Um, and so it was probably it was coming out of high school that, and I mean, I, I had conviction, but coming out of high school, is, uh, there was a turning point in my life too. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of that story, and I'd love to share kind of almost on an individual level. But, but I do know that during the junior high and high school years, there was evidence of my faith. Like I, even as I look back on it, because it took me a long time to articulate that, what that would look like. I mean, because my life also, my life changed getting ready to leave DeWitt and go to college um, through some other circumstances and life events, whatever. Um, but I really look at that as a prodigal son type moment. Um, where I had spent a lot of time waffling back and forth, struggling with identity, struggling with truth, and and really less about the knowledge in my head, mm-hmm. but whether or not I was actually going to take my life and align it with what I knew to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's there's a lot of struggle there. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I know that that's been something too that you know you and I have talked about and. And I feel like you've seen plenty of times now, having worked yeah. with college students, having been a part of a very healthy college ministry yourself, um, kind of that change and, and the importance of, of that 18 to 22 year old, um, th- those years and, and the decisions that you make there being the ones that really kind of propel you uh, into your future and what your life is going to look like. But kind of how did that play out for you? Where'd you go to college? Um, was that in-state, was that out-of-state? Did you think about going somewhere yeah. else? Yeah, man, so yeah, for sure. Um, Struggled with that. Didn't I mean that was a big decision. That really kind of was a catalyst for a lot of life change because I, my at least my initial gut reaction was I didn't want to go. I wanted to go somewhere different. Wanted to to you know carve a new path and and do something different. And so started thinking about that, trying to figure out where I would go. I think there's you know there's also the reality of my parents not going to be able to just send me anywhere I wanted to go type thing. Uh, had thought really heavily about out of state and um, just had different options. Didn't wasn't 100 sure about what I wanted to do. So major and all that kind of stuff. It's hard to limit that down. And I remember being overwhelmed one particular day. I mean, it was the whole process was you know daunting, um, not knowing really what you want to do and being on somewhat of a budget. But um, I, I remember filling out a scholarship application and specifically stopping and praying at a desperation, God. I I don't know what I'm doing. I, there's, this is a big life decision. And anytime I've ever trusted in you, it's turned out better than I can ask imagine. But when I try to take control of it, when I try to do what I want to do, <clears throat> it always, I screw it up. That's <laughs> really what I remember thinking, is I, I mess it up. And so God, I need you to help me. And just kind of thought, and that 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 reoccurring prayer has happened <laughs> several times since then too. Uh, but I remember that. I, I specifically remember that. And um, you know, not too long after that, man, some dominoes started to fall, and I got a, I got a scholarship that um, it had a couple stipulations that weeded out several things and, and headed land, landed me in a new direction. But I had to go to a state school, and I had to major in an IT related field. 
And so... At the time, was that something that you wanted to do? Was that on your radar as far yeah, as... Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of how I got the scholarship. It was something I'd messed with and, and dealt with in high school. I worked with GPS technology and, and beginnings. GIS, the Geographic Information System, was a new kind of term. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea of everybody having a phone that would lead them turn-by-turn directions was did not really exist as much. Um, and so, and that's really the kind of tech behind that. Um, and so I kind of started working with that. I actually got involved with a project in high school that we worked with farmers and uh, being able to map their fields and help them be a little bit more efficient in some, some practices. But anyway, without getting too nerdy into that. <laughs> but that was good. And that, that scholarship made me begin to look at GIS as a major in college because just IT-related field was one of them. And at the time, um, U of A, did not have that degree. Um, I looked into it. We came up with some scenarios where it probably, maybe we could justify it, make it work type thing. Um, Little Rock, so UALR, um, did have something that, that we could go in that direction. And then there's this other school um, <laughs> that was, uh, you know, in Monticello uh, with their forestry department. They had a GIS degree, the only one in the state at the time to have it. And I remember finding that out and just thinking, I'm not going to Monticello. <laughs> it's a small school. Where, where is Monticello for Monticello the city Monticello is L.A. <laughs> Monticello <laughs> is lower Arkansas. It is, it is southeast Arkansas. I say I grew up in southeast Arkansas. Monticello is southeast Arkansas. It is, it is in the opposite corner of the state from us. Um, but a, a town of about 10,000 um, and a campus of about 2,500 or so at the time. I forget exactly where it's at now. But... Um, anyway, so it was in their forestry department, and I still remember finding that out and saying, well, well I'm not doing that, um, and then um, doing, doing some other stuff one day, my dad finally asked me, he said, Jack, have you even checked it out? Have you even looked at it? And I said, no, not really, Dad. Like, I'm not going there. Um, from us, from where I grew up, you know, that school, it was known as You Ain't Much, UAM, um, <laughs> and so... I, I didn't really want to. Um, that was just my perception and just kind of, I guess, being, you know, a teenager. Um, and especially having other thoughts. And even, even the fact that, right, University of Arkansas, Fayetteville, mm-hmm. was on the table. It was There was an opportunity now because of the scholarship. And so for me to flip that and think, well, I might go to UAM instead. <laughs> How far away from DeWitt, from home, was, was you? Um, so it was about, it's about an hour and 15 minutes straight south. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so anyway, but I couldn't get away from the prayer. Couldn't get away from that prayer that I'd prayed, God, you lead me here. And we went down and checked it out one day uh, after my dad's prompting, saying, hey, have you even looked at it? And it was such a different experience than I'd gone on a couple of other college visits. Um, as a matter of fact, we called the admissions office and the, the ladies who worked in the admissions office. Um, they, they did an excellent job. Uh, Mary Whiting, I believe, still runs the place, and uh, she did a phenomenal job just to even just answering questions and making us feel welcome and allowing us to come come on in and visit with her and her staff. Uh, the first, as soon as I got on campus that afternoon to just check it out, and it was kind of an impromptu visit. The guy who gave me my tour, um, just another one of those God, God thing type moments. Um, he later, I mean, I went to church with his family. Um, as he's giving me the tour, he kind of shows me this campus ministry that he's involved with. 
uh, that later I got involved with. Um, and so, you know, just around the, just, it's one of those things in the, in the moment you feel like, okay, something's going on here. Um, in hindsight, you look back and you're like, yeah, God was all over that. <laughs> like God's hand was, was everywhere there. And so that's kind of how I ended up in Monticello. But I mean, I even went with the idea that like, um, I, I remember packing my stuff up, getting ready to move in the weekend before and saying, well, if I don't like it, I'm transferring. <laughs> um, that was kind of, so I reluctantly went, but I couldn't get away from the prayer. Mm-hmm. Hey God, I'm trusting you. All right, God, I don't know what's going on here. Uh, and I remember, I remember people who knew I got the scholarship and knew that I, you know, it was a good sizable amount and knew that I got a couple of other scholarships. So there were a couple of different people who looked at me and just like, why are you going to Monticello? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I don't know. And so I got to play it off with a lot of people as, well, I mean, they're the only ones in the state that have a GIS degree. <laughs> but there was a big part of me like, I don't know, God's sending me there? I don't, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Um, and so I, I kind of went and and got an opportunity to go down there kind of with that attitude and that mentality um, and what God did in and through that um, was remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. And so I know that part of, part of that prayer and you keep kind of alluding to the idea of you really prayerfully approaching college and, and how those decisions kind of came together. But I know that just based on our conversations, you knew going into college that a change needed to happen. Something needed to um, change what in your life and in your walk of faith. Uh, and I know, th- just based on our relationship, how influential um, the th- MBSF m- ministry down there and Rob really was to your spiritual development through that 18 to 22-year-old um, yeah. range. And so kind of tell me what that was like and how you got completely involved with them and started serving with them. Yeah, so I mean, I did go down with the kind of mentality. And I, I had a few things that kind of, like I, like you said, leading up to it, I knew that I needed a change. I knew I needed a shift. I knew that it needed to become real, that I was sick and tired of waffling back and forth. Um, For lack of a better term, I needed to know what it looked like to live out my faith on Tuesday and with some consistency. Um, And I don't don't know. I I knew that I needed it. I knew I needed it bad, Uh, but I didn't know how to accomplish that on my own. And so there, there again, that was my prayer and that was my desperation kind of going in that's why you know praying all the way going into it um, getting ready to get going to college um, I I did go ahead and jump in try to surround myself with some Christian brothers Um, I could never have imagined that God was going to put me around the people that he did Uh, it was exactly what I needed Uh, Rob Leonard could not have been a better mentor for me at that stage of my life um, to do exactly what I said, to show me what it was supposed to look like on Tuesday, to, to show me what it looked like to model consistency and some faithfulness and some stuff like that. Um, there was a group of guys that I'd never, if I'm honest with myself, I'd never seen what it looked like to just have fun with a group of brothers in Christ. Uh, to enjoy life, to, to do some silly and some dumb stuff, you know, to, to whatever, but to not have the guilt or shame of sin along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were some opportunities right out the gate that just kind of like, okay, am I serious? Is this really what I want type thing? And could have turned and gone a different direction. And I don't know, there was a little, I guess I was 18 years old and um, had gone through a little bit of the me. It was really me, you know. When I look back, I'm ashamed of 
kind of who I was during that that high school range in a lot of ways. I mean, I did I did I did some good, but I also did some some wicked. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's some stuff I was involved with and the attitude and all that kind of stuff that it just wasn't good. Um, and so going to college and, and being having some of that modeled in front of me and having a group of guys that I could grab a hold of and, and jump in with um, a college ministry that was that was there. It was big. It, it was life changing yeah. uh, because it, it's the thing that kind of helped me get over the hump to to at least have at least a little bit of you know faithfulness. Yeah, it's amazing how God can work in, in situations like that. Um, I know that's definitely the story for me and even. The, the four years that I've spent here, just seeing how that has played out with different students uh, and that attitude, that shift, that conviction that um, you can be obedient to or not. Uh, and and you, you can either see how, for lack of a good term, they thrive or they don't, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but there's another thing that was very significant that happened for you in college. Um, but tell me a little bit about how you met your, your wife, or future <laughs> wife at the time, Karen. Um, did you guys meet before you guys got involved or, you know? No, it was involved with it. Yeah, she, so she was involved kind of with the campus ministry um, as well. She's a year older than me, so she she'd been there a year. Um, that's another one of those things, man. You know, better than you can ask or imagine. Uh, <laughs> I, I honestly, in all honesty, went to college was not looking for a relationship because that was part of my problem too, man. Is uh, I hadn't always made the wisest choices um, with with females, and so. Uh, I I really kind of decided to to not necessarily be in a relationship. Uh, wasn't not, I wasn't like against it against it, but but I mean it was one of those things where it's like it's not really what I was looking for, uh, and was fine if it didn't happen. Uh, it didn't happen out of the gate or whatever. Uh, and so and even got like a confirmation with that. Just just I don't know, just odd um, to really kind of have that resolve to be like okay I'm really not worried about this. And anyway, of course, right, you know, simultaneously <laughs> with that, I meet Karen. And um, she was absolutely as sweet as she could be. Um, my Another parallel to this, too, is all during this time. Well, my first day of class, um, my grandmother, my dad's mom, had a stroke and was debilitated from then on. Um, I mean, ultimately, long story short, about four years later, actually my last semester of college, spring break of my last uh, semester of college, she, she passed away. Um, <clears throat> but during that time frame, um, Karen, she had just, a, she's just, she's always been gifted kind of with just a sympathy, empathy. Um, and I don't know, she wrote me a card. She felt bad, you know, for me, just somebody that she knew. And honestly, just like friendly, just, just very kind. Um, and... I don't know. Uh, so we, we got to, to meet each other, hung out in the same group of friends, um, went on several group dates and that kind of stuff, you know, group dates, you know, whatever. We hung out <laughs> a lot. Um, and I think I think secretly, maybe, not secretly anymore, but <laughs> she, she designed a couple of those group dates. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> she was, she was. And I knew it to this, for the most part. Uh, but we, we definitely played it slow. Um, I, I, there again, man, I, I really wanted spirituality. I wanted my relationship with God uh, to be number one. For you guys, um, that during that dating season, that evaluation, it ultimately ended with you guys getting married, especially um, at a young age. Um, but what was that like? 
Well, honestly, you guys are how old? <laughs> so, I mean, when we got married, I was 20, she was 21. Um, and so, um, yeah, I mean, we had really kind of gotten to the point where we're at this spot where it's like, hey, look, um, we're so far down the lines of sand and our relationship and they're growing close to one another. And quite honestly, uh, to a point where it's like, hey, look, I, <clears throat> I think we're one or the other. Like, it's either time that we take a break and we need to slow things down and maybe take some time off from each other or we need to fully embrace uh, the relationship and fully commit to one another. And so that's kind of where we're. Yeah. Yeah. What was the kind of reaction to that? I know that you've kind of talked up a little bit about um, like Rob and, and even some parents involved. There's a story about a watch um, that kind of runs deep. But um, what was kind of the reaction from friends and family? Because I, I know, especially even now, you, you kind of see this uh, decline in, in couples that get married that young and then a rise of getting married later. And it's really the first time in our history where the average age for a first child is lower than what the average you know age for people to get married is yeah yeah so i mean you know coming off the back side of that decision and karen i had that kind of conversation where it's like hey we need to fully embrace or we need to um you know take a break and i think she <laughs> said pretty quick like she was pretty sure okay well that just means we need to get married and i i, I really wasn't there at that point i really kind of was like ah, i don't really know or, and it really wasn't the fact that i questioned my love for her or her love for me but more along the lines of Oh, good grief! We're twenty and twenty-one. Can, do I even know how to make that decision? And having that kind of reverent, you know, fear, but just the idea of like, I don't want to make this decision, not flippantly necessarily, but just I don't want to make this decision without fully understanding the weight of it. And ultimately, what I had to come to and realize is that I would not understand the 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 full ramifications of the weight, and it was more of okay we are in love we have done these things right we have tried to pursue god with the best of our ability um we nuts and bolts type things like where we're going to live how we're going to pay for things all that kind of stuff we were addressing those um and so then it really kind of came down to are you willing are you willing to do whatever it takes you know because it might be hard Uh, it might be real difficult you guys might have lean years you might have you know years where especially getting married so young it's going to be tough on you Mm -hmm. uh you're going to have to grow up together um and so some of that and so are you willing to figure it out and at the end of that i think the answer i mean i don't think but i mean we came to the answer of yeah yeah i'm willing to figure it out and uh, for us to grow together uh, and to be committed to one another one of those convictions for you, at least at that time, was uh, you were going through your uh, degree for GIS and all that kind of stuff, but you were also serving a lot uh, with the church and with um, MBSF down there at UAM. And so ultimately, um, you decided that you wanted to head towards ministry. Uh, so tell me kind of what that was like. Yeah, so I mean, that was for sure a conversation that Karen and I had together. Um, I had an opportunity to do some internships with that local church there. Uh, in Monticello um, during the summer times, uh, was definitely involved with, with the ministry. Uh, actually had also started working for a company in town that was doing uh, aerial photography with uh, forestry and some other things like that. So I was working within a, a, an occupation that, that dealt with my degree. And so I was able to kind of see both sides of it. And ultimately, 
it came down to the uh, got an opportunity to step into ministry and what that might look like um, from after school and that the church was growing down there and they had an opportunity for me to join the staff with them and I also had an opportunity from the uh, company that I was working with and I remember walking in uh, the owner of the company had he made me an offer um, and he knew that I was involved with church ministry and he, he was a Christian and uh, he knew that that I was gonna have to make that decision between working for them or possibly going toward ministry and this is your senior year yeah yeah it's my senior year and so um, that was a tough one that was a tough one because it was for sure half the pay <laughs> um, starting out man <laughs> um, and didn't anyway I don't know it was tough it was tough but Man, that's one of the things that the, the greatest lesson that Monticello may have taught me was that it's it's more important to be obedient. Um, God can and will do more than we can ask or imagine if we'll be a faithful and obedient to Him. And like I said, I never never pictured, did not want to go to Monticello, uh, didn't want to see that happen. And I look back on it, there's no way in the world I would have wanted to have missed that group of people and that time frame and just all that God did in and through me um, during that during that season and so ultimately that's kind of where I came to too it's just like okay well uh, God I know there's gonna be some sacrifice here um, but if you want me you know if you and him opening up a position for me to to step into within church ministry then Yes, Lord, I'll I'll walk that direction, um, and so I remember walking in, walking in that day and and talking to the the owner of the company or whatever and just saying I I sure appreciate your offer, um, but I think I need to I think I need to walk into walk into this ministry uh, opportunity and to uh, see what that might look like, yeah. and so he appreciated me and appreciated the you know time that I put in there whatever, but that kind of allowed me to to walk that direction. How important was having like a guy like Rob, um, Karen, um, to kind of help you make that decision and pray through that decision? Oh man, it was big. It was big. I mean, from day one when we stepped on the campus, I mean, he gave me an opportunity to serve. Um, of course, modeled it in front of me, that kind of thing. But I mean, that's just kind of the way the campus ministry was built too. Is that um, students had the opportunity to be a part and to to, to serve in it, um, and kind of an expectation to do it as well. Um, and I had an opportunity to work in and through and help with leadership and make some decisions and be a part of the process of, man, what's this thing going to look like? And so all of that was was big. And, and my pastor at the time, too, I remember we had a conversation one day. We took me out to eat fast food, and we were sitting there talking. Uh, Chad Graves, um, that we sat down at lunch one day, and I had struggled with, do, do I need to go to ministry, do I not? And... One of the things that he he just asked me that day, he said, "You spent a lot of time thinking about, well, what if you're not called to ministry? <laughs> what if what if you're not? You know, you're like all the reasons why it might not work out." He said, "Have you ever spent any time thinking about what if it is?" Mm. And I don't know. That was one of those things that was it was it was good. It was good for me to hear, and and it was a piece to the to the puzzle that I needed um, because I was able to kind of kind of walk on through there and um, and start thinking, hmm. Well, what what if I am? Yeah. And and really, he kind of challenged me. I think it was like a week or two or something like that. But anyway, to just more or less consider that that's the truth, mm -hmm. that I am called to ministry, yeah. that I am going to walk in this direction. 
and then just see how I come out on the back side of it, you know. And so more or less just shut the other side down for a little bit and just see what it looks like. And that was extremely liberating um, just to be thinking about, okay, well, what would it look like? What is this, you know, and start thinking that way. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's going to take us to the end of our first segment. Uh, when we come back after the break, we're going to kind of hear about what Jack's been doing since then and, and where life has taken uh, him and his family. Uh, and so uh, hop back on with us after the break. But see you after. Hi, my name is Mitchell Neldon. I'm the executive pastor of Pathway, as well as one of the hosts of the Pathway podcast. Each week, we post a sermon from Pathways Worship Service on the podcast. You can check those out there as well as special interview episodes from some of your favorite Pathwayers. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform to the Pathway Podcast to check out future content. Welcome back to the Thrive Student Ministry Podcast, and we're joined by Jack Cross, um, our director here at Thrive at the University of Arkansas, uh, for the first installment of the Thrive Student Stories segment of this podcast. But we were catching up with you, Jack, on kind of what your your growing up, your upbringing was like, kind of your college experience, and how influential some of those those life experiences took you through your 18 to 22 year old years. Um, but you graduated from UAM and, and you stepped into ministry uh, at Pauline. And so kind of tell me what your first experience as a young minister was like um, when you jumped out of college. Yeah, so really kind of jumping out of college, it created they created a new position uh, as an associate pastor there. And so I had an opportunity to kind of begin to get my hands dirty with ministry. There was some administrative stuff that needed to be done as well. Uh, so there was some of that kind of thing that needed to be done. Uh, and that was really good. And then, of course, you know, there was some pastoral counseling and some other stuff, just as even as a young guy that I could handle and do, um, you know, some, some of the probably lighter work. But, 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 but some things I got to get a, get my chance to, to get my hands dirty with ministry. Um, and then, of course, all the time there's, there's events or there's things happening. Uh, just There's all, all kinds of different odd and end things that needed to be done. Uh, so that was really good, especially in those early days, to just kind of be able to see, be involved in the staff meetings, kind of be behind the scenes and dealing with some of the hard stuff, um, some of the family and life difficulties, uh, to be in part of the highs and lows of what ministry looks like, um, being around some of those different staff members. Um, like, like I said, too, the, the church was growing, um, so... Get to get to see some of that, um, and and just kind of some of the responses, and so that was good. Also working with, uh, they gave me an opportunity to work there, but then also work on some seminary, and so I was able to start my master's and, and work through some of that with Liberty, okay. uh, and so that was good. Get a chance to go to Lynchburg a few different times on some short trips, but then predominantly online. So online college before forced online college nowadays. Yeah, yeah it was. It was. I did not enjoy it. <laughs> no, no Zoom. No, no Zoom at that point. No Zoom at that point. But yeah, well, I definitely figured out that I would much prefer be in the classroom with a professor uh, and classmates and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it beat having to move all the way to Lynchburg or, you know, some other campus and and move my wife there and move all of life there and so that because that was something I really enjoyed was being able to have the active role in ministry and not just the studying uh, or reading things that dealt with ministry yeah 
yeah, there's something to definitely being on the ground and, and serving, um, getting your hands dirty in that way. But yeah, yeah, it definitely gives you the why. Yeah. yeah. How long were you guys in uh, Pauline or at Pauline? Two years. Two years. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of the deal. It was all the way from the beginning. Was two years, work on masters, and then kind of launch you out, launch you out into your ministry. And so where were you ultimately launched out to after that? So kind of came down to the time of the two years. The church was, uh, at least the um, kind of leadership of the church was ready to, to make that transition and do something different with that position and do some other things. And so um, uh, it, it was, it was, it was kind of difficult because, you know, if Karen and I were, we, we would love to have kind of stayed there and done our thing, but that's not, that was not the the goal or desire at the moment and so uh, we began kind of looking for other options and looking to see where God might lead us next and actually through a connection in the church it was a um, um, really good friends of ours and they their parents um, their the home church they had a youth pastor position open someone who's going to work with uh, junior high through high school uh, in Fordyce Arkansas so that's in central south Arkansas um, but they had a young or a church that was, you know, doing some growing and doing some different things and trying and needed a student pastor. And so they kind of went through the interview process there. They uh, brought me on board and we moved to Fordyce. Yeah. And so you spent how long at Fordyce and you were the student pastor out there. I know I've heard some stories about Karen helping with uh, VBS down that way. Um, but it was, it was Fordyce that was the last location the year out before you ultimately came up this yeah, way, yeah. right? So, so, yeah, we were there three years. Um, yeah, we were there three years. Uh, things were good. I um, I don't know. I think even, even at that age, I, I did not want to bounce around very much. Mm-hmm. And so... That was that was tough because we kind of just there were several little things that kind of went down, kind of happened um, that were happening. Just I really looking back on it, I'm, I don't know that you put your finger on necessarily one particular thing, um, but ultimately just kind of felt like God was doing something different in our hearts and lives, and that was a strange feeling um, to just think, okay, I don't I don't know what's up, but something's about to change. And I, actually, a that verbiage came to life when we got a chance to go to on a mission trip to Belize, mm-hmm. um, and just that whole trip, uh, mission, short-term mission trips, man, they're awesome, uh, great opportunity for you to step out and serve and get outside of your norm, and um, you know, pray some big prayers and, and learn a lot of things, and got a chance during college to be able to do some of those for the first time, but. But that trip to Belize, I kind of walked walked in it, and, and, and even during that trip, but then especially on the back side of it, just knowing, okay, and, and even talking to Karen, saying, I don't know what's up, but but God is, God's speaking to me, and I don't even know what that meant. <laughs> I don't even know what he's trying to say. <laughs> but, but something is, something something's changing. Um, and so we just kind of both began to pray. Um, and some things did change. As a matter of fact, in August, um, of that year, late August, um, I got an opportunity to have have an interview, unsolicited, uh, interview with a couple different um, places, and it was kind of strange to get phone calls out of the blue. Uh, but on the same sense, I had a conversation with my dad, just saying, "I don't want to." I mean, <laughs> I, it, you know, we're living in Fordyce, and so it's another small town. 
like I don't want to be lured just away from Fordyce just to be a, just to leave a you know a small town for a bigger city opportunity. Um, there's a place actually in Memphis that was one of the first interviews, and so it's like I, I don't want to just. I don't want to just leave just because it's like leaving from Fordyce and going to Memphis, you know, that type of thing. Um, I, I don't want that to be it. I really want it to be a, a spiritual, this is where God is calling me type thing. Mm-hmm. And um, so anyway, he gave me some good counsel and good wisdom about just praying through that. Um, and man, about a week later, my dad died. Um, had a heart attack. Um, passed away unexpectedly. Rocked our worlds. Uh, that was That was difficult difficult in that time frame um i mean ultimately in 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 my story you know of course that's that's a whole nother story um but in and through that that piece of the story it's like okay god well was that the change (laughs) you know was that the significance was that the difference and um because that for sure was a change and that was a shift in our family yeah yeah, yeah, and, and kind of the story that Jack's alluding to, uh, we mentioned it earlier, but if you want to hear, um, that one's definitely a gut-wrenching one, um, that, that piece of that story and Jack's testimony. But you can check out the Pathway podcast uh, to hear some of that. Uh, I know he shares definitely that piece uh, with his dad and, and how that went down, and then also the story of his sister, Charity, and, and kind of how that has also played out over the, the coming years. But um, ultimately, he ended up coming to Fayetteville, uh, and I know that was something that, uh, was a great situation for you in that they were able to slow play it. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, because, yeah, some of you kind of shared in there, but, but yeah, that just shortly after, a month or two afterward or whatever, after my dad had passed away, the guys in Fayetteville called, uh, Jeremy and, and some of the crew that was here at that time, they, they called and just said, hey, would you even be interested in this? Okay, sure, we'll check it out. Um, and just kind of, laid out but but they weren't trying to move anytime soon this was like october and they were just trying to find somebody by maybe the end of the year that could be here for the summertime fundraise do the things that needed to be done to get ready for the next fall um which to me you know which i really kind of felt like they were almost said that apologetically um because you know hey sorry for letting you know this early but you know need to take it really slow uh for me that was awesome that's exactly what i needed to hear because my dad had just passed away. There was business that needed to be handled. I did not need to leave my mother at the time. And my grandmother, my mom's mom, had also had had a stroke during that same season and time frame. And so my mom was taking care of her. And so my grandma and my mom and trying to handle their stuff and try to figure out what what life was gonna look like for them. And anyway, being relatively close, I wasn't in the same town, but but, but being within an hour or two from them, that was gonna be, you know, it's kind of a big deal. Uh, didn't need to be five hours away yeah. and so if he he was going to ask us and then also we had just found out that we were pregnant mm-hmm. with our second child and so it's kind of one of those things like yeah <laughs> i do not need to take off and leave right now um but i will begin to pray about it and that's one of the first times that i know that i have began praying about something and literally every day there was something something went through my mind in some prayer or form or fashion from October through December because we had a conversation and then they brought me well they, they brought me in uh, I think during that fall just to to teach one night on a subject because I think they had yeah at that point there was just kind of the college guys leading it Mitchell was a part of that crew um, Neldon and so they um, they wanted me to teach like on marriage and something else <laughs> hit something that they weren't kind of outside of their comfort zone and so they more or less brought me in not really as an interview 
but as a you know kind of quiet interview type deal um and um but but other than that we really didn't talk um until after the new year but every day for me there was something about Fayetteville and the campus ministry up here and and pathway that just kept coming back up in my prayer and my thought yeah 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 and and from what i know you ended up eventually coming up here um i think early in or at some point in that spring semester to kind of get acquainted to the guys um and that kind of stuff which to me is an amazing way to get acclimated before you eventually started full-time in the fall but uh, there's a little piece of that that happens in the summer. Uh, I know that's something that you and I have talked uh, kind of at length about because it's something that we are in the midst of doing and, and we always have to be in the midst of doing during, during the summers. It's a piece of the job that um, neither one of us really enjoy. Mm -hmm. I, I would say probably none of the guys that are in the situation that we are in can probably enjoy that part of it. Uh, but it's also a piece that I feel like a lot of students really don't know a whole lot about and that we do. Um, each and every summer, but that that in particular is called deputation, uh, yeah. and it's the raising of the funds that eventually pays for our salaries and for um, the ministry to keep up with expenses and all these different things. The events that we're able to do throughout the year, it is what helps um, put those things on and yeah, raise yeah, the funds so, for I mean, it. It's, you're right. It's it's kind of the the not so glamorous piece um, of the the particular ministry like we, like we're doing but essentially we're, we're missionaries we're missionaries on the campus and so we're outreaching to to students who come from all over arkansas all over this region and um, really all over the world and so um, that's how that's how we operate and we have to raise the funds to be able to do so um, pathway gives us a, a good healthy amount but right now uh, just straight forward honest with you it's about 800 bucks a month um, so that's not going to go very far as far as the fact that we have a house on campus. We have, you know, um, both, our salaries. both of our salaries, yeah. Uh, lights to lights and, you know, heating, cooling. Um, that's not, we're not even talking about getting into events and promotion or any of that type stuff yet. Um, and so, yeah, we have to figure out how to raise those funds. And a large part before I, I got here, um, it's kind of just been done through churches. Um, we are part of the American Baptist Association. ABA is kind of the term or whatever. Um, that's a kind of a network of churches uh, that kind of uh, agree doctrinally with where Pathway kind of comes out of, and that's how Pathway was planted. So Pathway is about a 14, 15 year old church plant. And so, um, anyway, we're, we've predominantly been dependent on some of those churches. To support us but there's not necessarily like a cooperative type program where they all just give to and give to us um, we have to go through those relationships and go speak at churches or, or even get figure out a way to get an inroad with certain people and for them to send us money on a monthly basis um, or you know one-time gifts or whatever and then the other side of it that we've that we've began to do in the last handful of years is work with individuals as well um, a lot of you know as far as alumni uh, or just individuals and that kind of thing that depend on their support. And, um, you know, without them, without people giving on a monthly basis or a regular basis of some sort, uh, yeah, we can't, and we just can't do ministry. Yeah. And so that's just one of the, it's the reality of it, you know, it's, I don't know, it's not necessarily, uh, you know, terrible. Yeah, it, it's, it's difficult. It's a, it's a new hurdle. It's, it's something for sure to learn. 
Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to beat up on it too much, though, because it has this opportunity for us to develop relationships with people, um, and then also for them to have the opportunity to give mm -hmm. to what God is doing, um, specifically on the U of A campus. And so um, that part of it's fun, and that, that connection side of it. So whereas, like in a normal maybe church position, uh, where where it's it's a hundred percent local. You know, and then maybe maybe mission trip or something like that, maybe an outreach type thing like that. But uh, we kind of get our hands in both areas, where we get to see, you know, get to stay, keep relationships with people who have moved on and, and launched out into other places um, in life and other places in, in in other cities and all that kind of stuff. But then also having our hand on what's going on on a local um, standpoint. But yeah, we couldn't do it without the uh, the support of others. And, and summertime for us, you're right, is is kind of the 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 best time to be able to get out of Fayetteville and and go and see people and have an opportunity to speak at some churches and some stuff like that and so depending on those relationships and people to get us in the door uh, to have those conversations is is a big deal yeah yeah and some of that is just weekend travel traveling on Sunday morning Sunday night type thing and maybe the occasional Wednesday but I know that coming in as a freshman I wouldn't have known that that was the way that we operated. Uh, and, and even more so, like, you know, I did. I thought it was the Arkansas Baptist Association for the longest time, um, where, to give you some context uh, for you guys listening, that the church that Jack grew up at, Pauline, yeah. I think Fordyce as well, um, Fordyce wasn't, but all of them are, are, are part of the American Baptist Association, and, and there are a number of others um, that we've got a couple students from East Union down at East End and, and, and around the state and, and country as well. And so it's definitely a blessing to be supported by the ABA and the churches that support us on a monthly, yearly basis. Mm -hmm. And so we're super thankful for that because without them, it wouldn't be possible to do what we do here. Right. Um, but um, you've been here now for how long in Fayetteville? Yeah, so, so March was eight years. Kind of tell me what that has been like, you know, the transition between when you first got here. It was mostly even student-led by, you know, um, Mitchell and, and Clinton, some of those other guys. Um, but tell me how that has kind of progressed from where it was then to where it is now. Yeah, so I, ministry in, in Fayetteville is it's fun. It does have a certain level of difficulty with it. Um, man, we have, a, we have a good culture um, kind of in Fayetteville amongst church cultures, there's some really neat things happening um, with some different churches that are doing different different things in our community and and on campus um, specifically. Uh, so in some sense, there there is a good culture. Uh, you know, in some sense, man, the pendulum swings both ways because there are uh, there are absolutely some obstacles uh, to overcome. There is. There are there are there are some opponents and some some difficulties, um, you know. It's a big campus uh, or a decently big campus as far as nationally goes, uh, but for Arkansas, <laughs> yes, for Arkansas, it is a very big campus, um, and so there's a lot going on, um, and so some of it's not even you know. I mean, some of it's just competing for just people's time in general, and 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 then, then we have also had several students. Who have very time strenuous majors, you know, engineering fields and some things like that. And so, um, trying to spend time with people uh, and get into them enough to have conversations and have gospel conversations sometimes that's difficult. Um, but yeah, the ministry, um, the guys that were they were leading at that time, um, 
Andrew and Lawson and Mitchell, and then of course a host of, of stu- other student leaders. Um, man, they they were doing a great job, and there's some some pros that man you just can't replace when you've got like peers who are helping lead. I mean, also one of the reasons why I was hired though was was for a little bit of adult you know type interaction, leadership, and some direction, and to weigh in on issues and problems that happen every once in a while between 18 to 22 year olds, guys and girls, uh, all that fun stuff. Uh, and so, in some ways, um, yeah, had an opportunity to do that and try to help people see past their particular that, that particular stage in life and to be thinking about. Um, the building blocks to be thinking about even the the future launching out and what that might look like and so man we've had you know it's been ups and downs um, and I think working with this age demographic is extremely rewarding um, but sometimes man it's extremely difficult too um, because I think you and I talked about this not long ago one of the most difficult things sometimes is being able to see the potential in a young man or a young woman um, and especially now at my age, like just being a little bit further down the road, um, you know, I'm not, I feel like I'm that old, 35, but, um, or about to be 35, but, um, anyway, to, to see potential and to like know it, to like, not just, not just like, okay, this is a good guy, you know, this is a you know strong girl or whatever. Um, but to really be able to see some earmarks that like that, yeah, they've got a lot of potential to do a lot of great things for the kingdom. And then to see them not reach that potential or to just straight up defunct somehow. Um, to have something glaring that just really weighs them down, holds them back, or just them outright decide they don't want it. That's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And, and, and not really even for my sake, um, but for their sake. To know that they're not guaranteed that two years, five years from now, of coming back from whatever it is that they're messing with. Um, to know that this is something that it could be a lifelong struggle. Um, that Lord willing, you know, they'll come out of it in, in a short time period. Um, but it's, it's quite possible that this is something that could, could rob from them a decade um, or a lot of major influential decisions. Well, and I, and I think that's, that's what's so important. I think that's why, you know, when we talk about vision and what your vision has been, uh, for ministry on this campus, for what what Thrive has looked like and, and what just college ministry in general has looked like over the course of your time being involved in it as a student and then now as the director. Um, just seeing when you stepped in the ability for students to, to lead and grab some ownership uh, of some stuff. But why, why do you think that's that's so important? You know, because I feel like there's definitely this stigma and we've, and we've definitely dealt with it before where, you know, a guy or a girl, they come up and they just, they know that they need to go to church. Yeah. And there's a big difference between that and, hey, I, I know that I need to jump in, I need to serve, and I need to go after some people. Um, yeah. because people well, to me, to me, that mentality is, man, roll the dice and see what happens. And I, I don't like it. Um, you know, the side of it that, that's more of a consumer, you know, where it's like, hey, I know I need, I, you know, I ought to go to church. And that, that's about the, the gist of it, you know. And, you know, hey, I would say that there are some big um, churches, there are some big ministries on our campus that if you just kind of want to show up and, and do your thing and go to, man, there's, there's and I, I really don't mean this like as a, as a knock. I mean, they're, they're really some good ones and, and they're doing some good stuff. Um, 
However, I just think that there's something different about getting your hands dirty in ministry. And I used that earlier in the podcast, I think, that phrase. But because for me, that's how it changed. And I know that's a big deal with within people and, and, and conversion. But for me, it took a whole new life when I got actively involved. Mm-hmm. And and I do believe that. I, I, I think that is a great better. I mean, because because like I said, it can be there can be heartbreaking times. But there can also be, man, it's so worth it when students get it. When they go through that 18 to 22-year-old range, when they're in that college time period, and it, the light bulb begins to go off, and they begin to realize what it looks like. Sometimes, sometimes it is in grand ways, but sometimes it's in subtle ways. Sometimes it's in those ways where, you know, they, they begin to internalize, it is important for me to read Scripture on a regular basis and and apply that to my life that's going to be a part regardless of how many tests i've got and and what life is throwing at me that's important and and i know that there's a source of hope and a source of joy that really surpasses all understanding when i'm tied into his word when they grab a hold of that or when they understand that hey look i need to leverage my relationships for the honor and glory of god whether that's male female relationships whether that's you know guys building community with one another um, females, you know, trying to build a sisterhood, um, you know, whatever that kind of looks like. When when people begin, when that clicks with people, when they also begin to understand like what discipleship can look like on a very practical, tangible way. Let's go get coffee together on a regular basis. Let's talk about the Word of God. I want to I want to encourage you in what you're reading, and you encourage me in what I'm reading. Uh, let me see if I can. How can I be praying for you? And, and let's actually spend some time. Let's pray together. Uh, and then, and then also, like, how can, how can you and I encourage one another to continue to share our faith with with other people? And to me, those kind of three things: that reading the Bible, spending time in prayer together, and then um, being able to encourage each other in sharing our faith with with other people, uh, and doing repeating that process. Like, in a nutshell, that's kind of discipleship. And so, when a when a student gets that. Man, I think it's I think it's a game changer. Uh, there was a story a few years ago that I that I read, which of course resonates with me because my background and kind of mapping and that kind of stuff. But just the idea of like land navigation. Uh, if you ever look at a compass, uh, I know very few people actually have ever used a compass now. Um, <laughs> but that idea that that it, on a compass there's there's degrees, uh, and if you're trying to head toward a, a particular bearing, a particular direction. Um, and, and you change that just a couple of degrees on a compass. Um, if you walk across the room, it's really not that big of a deal. If you walk across the yard, maybe even, um, you know what? It, I mean, you're in a little bit different spot, but not that big of a deal. But if you carried that out a mile or two, or maybe a day's journey, you're in a completely different spot. And to me, some of those fundamentals and you being in the 18 to 20 year old who begins to internalize that, begins to take a hold of it, wrestles with priorities and deciding on, okay, God is going to be number one and, and here's how I'm going to lay out my, my, my priorities and I'm going to spend time in the Word, I'm going to spend time in prayer with other people with with on personal level as well and I'm gonna spend time investing in and encouraging other people to do the same um, that's gonna change the man and woman that they are when they're 30 it's gonna radically change who they are when they're 50 and 60
So as we kind of wrap this up uh, in this this second segment, but what what makes you most excited just about you being here? You've talked about, you know, from the beginning you wanted to be somewhere and you didn't want to be bouncing around, but and so you've been here now eight years. Um, what makes you most excited about the prospect of the next the next decade, maybe, of Thrive or of ministry um, for you and your family? Hmm. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. It's a great question. I I think some of the things that we're doing right now, like you and I having this conversation, um, it was a dream of mine from the beginning to to have a staff to realize this is not this should not be a one man show. And obviously, yes, from the beginning we started with student leaders and we developed teams and the expectation that a 19, 20 year old absolutely can have leadership and should be depended upon and they can have responsibility. Um, that's that's always been there. But then also take it even a step further, right? Um, and so to see that develop, to see like you and Allison coming on board and being a part and, and not just a volunteer, but, but your lives are heavily invested into it. But then also uh, the, the culture that we've seen with pathway shift, you know, from seeing, man, just a well, a lot of the worship team, you know, is uh, former Thrive people. Uh, to see, you know, the person who's in charge of our welcome team right now is a former Thrive person. Uh, so to see that kind of, uh, I mean, we got a lot of people who are going to launch out and they're going to go to different places and they're going to, and, and they should, and we need that. They don't all need to stay here. Um, but it's really cool. It's really cool to see, you know, young couples having babies and. Um, being in leadership and playing a a big role in our church and in our community that have come through our college ministry. Um, and that's exciting. Uh, it's exciting to see part of that process and to know that that, to still, that, that 18 to 22 year old range, that, that's, a, that's a big, um, there's a lot of big life decisions that happen during that time, during that time period. And so uh, it's just awesome to be able to walk with people during that time frame and then to now see the byproduct of that investment. Um, that's, that's really awesome. And so to see more of that and to see how, how that's going to work itself out with even more time. So, yeah. Well, awesome, man. Well, we're going to wrap this second segment up, and we're, we've got something special planned out for this third segment. I don't know how we're going to do with it, but we're going to try. Um, so we're going to have some fun with it. But catch back up with us after the break. Welcome back to the Thrive Student Ministry Podcast. I'm here with Jack Cross, and we are doing the first installment of the Thrive Student Stories uh, edition of the podcast. And so for this special segment three of this podcast, we're going to be doing a serpentine draft of our favorite Razorback athletes from 2000 to present. And so a serpentine draft, if you don't know, Jack will make the first pick, then I will get two picks then he, it will go back to him and he will get two picks and I will get one pick after that. We're going to go on for five rounds. I would like to say that we're going to do this very well, but I am from Texas and didn't know about the Razorbacks until like, I don't know, 2012. <laughs> and Jack, uh, he grew up in DeWitt and I don't even know if they have internet there. So oh, we're going to see. <laughs> but... <laughs> Although, although I, I, you know, we'll start this and I originally thought we were talking about current 
Razorback player. So so my history, I did not brush up on any of that. But now Dom's definitely got me thinking. All right. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot, man. Who you got first? It's hard not to think about someone like Darren McFadden. Because uh, that was a big deal. That was yeah. a big time frame. And uh, football definitely was a big deal. Definitely had us on the map. Yeah, definitely put us on the map. That time frame was pretty good. I thought they were pretty good when Mitchell was in school, but I don't know who was on the team at that point. But They were. Uh, I might save that one. You guys are really going to, like, oh, you guys are going to slam me for my picks because uh, I don't know Razorback athletes all that much, but, of course, I'm a huge basketball fan. Basketball and baseball are my big sports uh, growing up. And so in the midst of March Madness now, the Hogs in the Sweet 16, I feel like I can't. Am I allowed to take Joe Johnson? Was he before 2000 or no, after 2000? After 2000. I feel like you got to take ISO Joe. Yeah. You know, Atlanta Hawks um, legend, Hall of yeah. Famer. Playing with the big three. Like Joe Johnson was good when he was here. He was really good. I don't know that we appreciated him. I, I did not appreciate him, especially with the pro, the pro career that he's had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he's been a very decorated pro, pro player. But, you know, some of that, I'm basing it off of some of that because I don't know how his tenure or any of that stuff was when they were at Arkansas. The other guy, another basketball player, and then, <laughs> I don't know that I can necessarily base this off of his career at Arkansas because he actually got dismissed from the team while he was here. But he went and played overseas after that. Um, overseas professionally, and then came back to the NBA to play with the Heat before ultimately signing with the Rockets. And he's now one of the the starting point guards for the Los Angeles Clippers, and that is Patrick Beverly. All right, all right. Now that's a good one. That's a good one. So go to basketball players. I mean, you know, it's hard to pass up somebody like like Mallet, um, Ryan Mallet. Yeah, that that time period. Another good football time frame um especially basketball was hit and miss you know a lot during the early early 2000s and yeah it kind of is until right now exactly (laughs) and and those guys we'll just see how good yeah we'll see how good they're gonna be um but when mallet um pretty highly touted and then went to michigan and then flipped and came back to arkansas and then we had a couple good seasons right there and there's of course other guys that we could take from that time frame and that the the team um but that was a big deal that was a big deal so let me give let me go with mallet um you, I, you know i my brain now is wrapped around football and i want to get out of it um <laughs> uh you know so the other thing i don't know let's go with the, stick with the arms though um i might go with someone like blaine knight ah, okay. okay blaine knight because you know no one expected him to do what he did. Like, I mean, he was good. And but for that for that success that rode off of that and getting a chance to go to college world series and then go to his deep and then for him really not to have gotten beat at all his last year at that was a stud. You don't want Jake Randall? Ah, sorry, Jake. <laughs> Shaddy? <laughs> well, you know, he was, he was a big part of it. <laughs> he was a big part of the team. <laughs> no, Blaine Knight. Blaine Knight's a really solid pick. Yeah, but he was, that my freshman year, he was the stud on the team. And, um, yeah, they they definitely were really good those years. And me and my roommate would go to all the home games, even if it was yeah. a nobody in the rain. And, yeah. I don't know, it, watching him and Isaiah Campbell together, yeah, Pretty good one-two punch. Well, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. But yeah, but no one, no. I mean, he was our ace. 
um, that year. And I don't know. Just I don't think anybody really expected him to walk through the SEC schedule and not lose a game. Um, that that was big. So I get one more, and then I throw it back to you, and then you'll get one, and I'll get two. But for my one, I think I got to stick with baseball. Um, I mean, I guess I'm just lucky that you know so many of these great Arkansas athletes have come through Houston. Uh, but I've got to take um, current White Sox pitcher, but 2017 uh, World Series champion Dallas Keuchel. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Back to you. Uh, so yeah, the, the next one I, it probably is not a yeah as far as touted career because there's actually even a couple guys right around him that would have been better career wise. But favorite moments, I was in the stands, right behind the backboard when Qualls made the dunk for on the the night of Kentucky, the mm. night we beat Kentucky. And I think I remember that one. That was a big one. That was huge. That was huge. Well, and I just remember the up and down, back and forth. They let us hang around. They were good, um, but they let us hang around that night. And um, anyway, they go down. There are twins on the team for Kentucky. And one of the guys just had just been killing us from the three-point line. And he knocked it down with just a couple seconds left. And when we came back down the court, my back was turned because he hit the three, and I was like, oh, my goodness. And then the guy behind me didn't even know him, but, of course, you know, everybody standing up yelling and whatever, everybody kind of, you know, getting around. He, he taps me on the He's like, no, no, turn around. We're coming back. We're coming back. And we, we toss up the shot, and the ball comes off the backboard, and it's just like, ah. Oh. And then to see Qualls running full speed, grab it, and throw it down, the place went nuts. Yeah. <laughs> nuts. And so, I don't know. That would have been, it, it was, you know, that was pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, I, of course, you know, wasn't around for when Sterner throws a touchdown and, you know, they take down goalposts and all that kind of stuff. Jeremy talks about some of that. Jeremy Flanagan uh, being around in college during that time frame. But uh, that was a fun night. That was a fun night. What it must be like to be around when the Razorback sports are <laughs> all good. I mean, I don't know, man. I'm hoping this spring. The four years I was here, I was here 16 to 20. So. Oh, I know it. I know it. I, it's, I forget sometimes just how bad that was, like how bad it is. Especially football. You know, because baseball was still good, you know, but that was probably the only one that was yeah. like solid, solid. But anyway, I guess I got two, and then you'll have one more on the back end. So my first one's, I feel like it's a pretty pretty much a shoe-in. Um, I don't know. I think he might have played left field in when he was a Razorback. But he was a Boston Red Sox. Now, I guess he's a Casey yeah. Royal now. Yeah. Um, but i got to take Andrew Benintendi. That's a big one. Yeah. You and your pro athletes, that's the that's deal. See, dude, I just, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't need, and, and, and now I'm out. And so I don't know who I want to take for it. I guess I could take McCann. I don't really want to take McCann because I don't really know anything about him. I, um... I can't throw any more shade. I really enjoyed watching Carson Chatty play and while he's here. And he gets a lot of flack for um, missing that foul ball. But I'm telling you, it was Eric Cole's ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, man. You were at our house that night, weren't you? Uh, we were. I thought so, I yeah. Yeah, because yeah, Dom and I had decided, or we had almost, because he was hanging out at our house a lot that summer, and we almost jumped in the car. And decided to drive up to Omaha because <laughs> we figured out a way to get tickets and that kind of stuff and so we almost decided to and I remember thinking being torn 
Because as the ball game's winding down, I'm like, oh, we could have been there. And then when that happened, I was like, oh, good grief. I would not have wanted to drop home after that night. Oh, oh. And then, oh, that was still just a movie needs to be made. I'm sure it will be at one point. But a movie needs to be made about about that night and that time frame. Because it has never felt more evident. Because the ball game wasn't over. Like, like one, that, sh- that would have won us the championship. But then... The, the ball game wasn't over. Like, they still had a couple more hits they had to get and all that kind of stuff. Of course, the next at bat, the guy steps up and what? slams it over the right field fence. But, it, but, but, but as soon as we dropped that ball, it was a very clear feeling, it's over. Yeah. We've lost. Yeah. And we're still, they still had to win another game. Yeah. But we all felt like that That's was it. your chance. That was it. And sure enough, dude comes up knocks a home run then we come into the next game and we didn't we we couldn't hit anything this freshman kid pitches stud. outside his mind yeah. Absolute and it was just a mo- bizarre heartbreaking heartbreaking uh but yeah yeah i don't know my, my mind also i thought about this earlier but um i think about somebody because uh, i was thinking about like now and what's happening what's going on of course there's several guys on our team this year we'll see how the season plays out baseball wise uh, but i knew you thinking about baseball um the man a guy who's just um he's in on a lot and a lot of behind the scenes and gets a lot of kind of quiet press um but casey opitz yeah just being yeah. A, just being a stud behind the plate um and just being a rock um so anyway, I don't I don't know if he'd have come back this year, had there not been for coronavirus and all that. But um, but yeah, I'd be curious to see kind of where he ends up um, and kind of what happens to him because he's been solid for three years now. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see, man. I mean, that's a good stretch of team between Kerstad and yeah, um, Martin and all those guys. You know, yeah, yeah you got more now, um, and then of course our pitchers that. We'll just have to see how that, that all plays out. Yeah, we'll, we'll, so we'll throw this promo on there uh, for this last fun little segment uh, of the podcast. But um, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. If, if you have an opportunity, definitely drop down below or give us a knock on why you think that our picks were um, <laughs> either poor or stellar. Obviously, they're all stellar. Um, but as far as the podcast, we're really glad and excited to be able to uh, launch this segment of our ministry and, and be able to provide you guys some additional content to get to know not only us between Jack and I, but also some of the students and, and testimonies that you guys have. We know that there's been plenty of you guys that have some incredible testimonies of how God has worked in and through you guys. And so if you would um, leave us a review, give us five stars. On, uh, it helps people find the podcast, but subscribe to us on whatever platform you find our podcasts on. And so uh, with that, We'll let you go.